Welcome to this special episode of Bickering Peaks. Today's topic is all about part one of Firewalk With Me, the Deer Meadow Prologue. We are here today to talk about Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me, the film. As opposed to what? Well, no, I'm saying in German it's the film. Yeah, right. <laughs> Der film. Der film. And uh, we have a very special... Uh, Panel? Sort of, yes, yes. Assembled before yes, us? with us. Uh, we've, new, we've got together most three of, the of people, our... yes, that we've brought previously. We have Nathan Sammies, Lindsay's brother. Uh, Say hi. No. Hello. That's great. Nathan joined mm-hmm. us for the uh, Leland Palmer uh, death yeah. episode, correct? Yes. Absolutely. We have Aaron. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to say hello. Uh, Aaron, you joined us for uh, the season two opener. Yes. And then Tasha. Hello. Tasha joined us for uh, the, Which episode uh, was that? Variations on Relations, I think. Yes. Um, so it's Tasha. And then we have two illustrious guests who were brave and joined us tonight having not seen any Twin Peaks whatsoever. And they sat through Firewalk with me and they're still here, which is amazing. We have Olivia and Simon joining us. Hi. Hey there. (laughs) And we're going to pick their brains especially tonight because the rest of us, we've all seen the movie. At least once. At least once. We've seen the series. At least once. Multiple times, yes. (laughs) And so these are newbies, and we want to, yeah, we want to get a fresh take on it. So mostly because there are a lot of people who say that Firewalk with Me can exist as a standalone film. We kind of just wanted to see if that held true, and they allowed us to experiment on them. So so thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, before we get into, we're going to start with their hot, hot, hottest take on this film. But before, we just wanted to give just a little bit of background on, on Firewalk With Me. As we usually do. Yes. So it was released in 1992. It was planned out, I think it was announced the summer that Twin Peaks was canceled. And a lot of fans were really excited because they thought, finally we're going to get a resolution to this cliffhanger ending that we had. And then the film was released and it was a prequel. And revealed nothing, or very, very, very little, very little. <laughs> about the end of the series. It was booed at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. It was a box office bomb. Yeah, how it much money did it make? Like two million or something like that? It was something. A box office in North America, box office of four point two million. Four point two. That's really so, not very good. And <laughs> critics just, if they said anything about it at all, because a lot of critics just were silent they just didn't say anything which is a condemnation in and of itself i think but that they just soundly roundly completely dismissed it as some people even said it was the worst film ever made (laughs) (laughs) yes i agree nathan (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it it has picked up i think a lot of people now will say that it's a much better film than maybe it was originally giving credit for yeah and, and uh, it fits a lot better within the Twin Peaks universe, too, as well, I think. Uh, and with the season three announcement and more news coming out about it, David Lynch has said that this film in particular in the last seven days of Laura Palmer's life is going to play a big role in season three. So I think a lot of people are revisiting it now and maybe seeing it with fresh eyes. Yeah, getting excited for season three by yeah. watching. So, um, Audrey's excited about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And just to be clear, uh, we are uh, just watching the regular, this theatrical re- release. There is, uh, on the Blu-ray uh, collection, there was uh, a bunch of extended scenes and deleted, deleted scenes, scenes. Um, that are well worth talking about. And I think Lindsay and I will talk in a later episode, perhaps, mm-hmm. about, about those. But for now, this is just the theatrical cut. Yep. Okay. So, Simon, Olivia. <laughs> what did what you is- think? <laughs> I think... I'd say that not only does it stand alone as a film, but I think actually the first 10 minutes actually stood alone as its own film. Really? But that FBI story was kind of an interesting separate mm-hmm. movie that just they stopped talking about halfway mm. through the entire film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess without background, like there was a lot of stuff that had no idea what was going on. There was this lady that was dancing in a red dress at the start of the movie mm-hmm. that they never talked about again or before. I'm not really sure how that related. There's this amazing series of montages that they introduced the school 
and that entire plot line within the town with that was kind of a cool way of doing everything with no real narration or mm -hmm. explanation at all. I thought that was fascinating. Um, and then the entire second half of the movie, I still don't really know. I'm just kind of letting it hit me and wash over me. I have no idea really what I watched or how everything's related. There's a lot of characters that kind of showed up and were totally bizarre and then just kind of left the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I still, like, don't know what I think about it right now. Yeah, same thing. I just kind of, like, let it wash over you. I was totally... In, I think indifferent to the first maybe 40 minutes like okay. I just it didn't grab me yeah and then kind of yeah in after about that long I don't know it's sort of the intensity built or something I, maybe that's what yeah, it was tons of intensity I thought there's a lot of kind of emotions almost in the film you saw a lot of really creepy eerie music that made you feel kind of unsettled and then it was suddenly just jump cut with this upbeat jazz music or upbeat mm -hmm. guitar driven yeah. rock and roll mm -hmm. and it really kind of flashed between being very unsettling and then very happy the next second yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's hard to have yeah even this a is like literally like 20 minutes ago we finished it so <laughs> you can't expect to have everything sorted out but yeah. so but did you like you enjoyed the experience of watching it at least like you found it interesting and yes absolutely uh, i was yeah like what about the the central kind of core of like laura eventually getting murdered like did you find that engaging or was it like just so cram-packed jam-packed with other stuff you didn't really i'd even say that i'd say i almost found the laura getting murdered was almost an afterthought in the movie ah, that it okay. seemed to happen it seemed to be I, I thought at least at the first half of the movie it was completely separate from the main story which was the fbi looking for this missing fbi agent and then laura was kind of on the side here until at the end of the movie it edged out the FBI plot, the weird dancing circus man plot, and then it was just suddenly Laura. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for me, I noticed, like, I think because I went in, I didn't really have expectations, but from the first, you know, minutes, it, I, I didn't really have much of an expectation for a plot-driven movie. So it was almost like, you know, from watching traditional movies, it kind of was a relief to find that plot element. It kind of, like gave something to sort of latch onto yeah. in the midst of the... All that. Yeah, the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Okay. Was there anything that, like... I mean, you mentioned the Lil, the dancing woman. Is there anything else in the film that just... You're just completely like, what What was that? That didn't make any sense? <laughs> Other oh, than all of Other than the rest of the movie. The majority. I guess the like the kind of demon world, okay. not having background for that, that was yeah. you just kind of had to let it, yeah, just sit there. And, yeah, just kind of take yeah. it in and not really know. I'd even say like the kind of sense of unease was almost amplified by how quickly characters just came on screen mm. without any real introduction. That made it almost more spooky, uneasy in a way because yeah. you have really no idea as a random audience member what's going on here who these people are mm -hmm. i didn't really realize at the end here the guy in the last scene who came to the train car was the same guy that freaked out at the dad right mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of characters like you guys were asking at one point uh after bobby shoots a guy and then laura's like you killed mike they're like are we supposed to know who mike is <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's mike? we only met mike yeah. for like two seconds he yeah. called himself Mike is the man yeah and that was it. that's it <laughs> that's it that's all your introduction to him so what about mm. david bowie's character like was oh, that? Yes. Mm -hmm. What was the point of that? <laughs> is he in the show? No. 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 Sutherland, that was, was brief, eh? Hey? Kiefer Sutherland's character? That was a yeah. very brief mm -hmm. at the beginning and yeah. Yeah. gone. Yeah. 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 yeah, David Bowie's one is a source of much consternation among fans because he was supposed to have a much larger role. And he was um, supposed to come back in season three as well, yeah. but passed away before he could film mm. his scenes. Oh. So. Yeah, so they have, there's all sorts of theories about his character because... Uh, in the extended edition, which again, we're not going to talk about too much, but there is a, a few more shots of him and you get a bit more of, he had a, an extra scene in a, in a Argentina or something. It doesn't okay. really it add It doesn't much. really add much. No, no. but it, it, it at least makes it, I don't know, it makes something out of it, I think. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's full of weird characters like that for sure. So I guess a big question I kind of had at the start of it was I wasn't totally clear and maybe there's more background in this I missed, but why the FBI was investigating uh, yeah, a I'm random... Heard. Vagrant murder in a right. small town mm. yes. in the middle of nowhere, yes. Western USA. I didn't quite grasp that. Yep. That it's, is a very good question. Okay. <laughs> and it's one that plagues fans because... Well, the show the show kind of addresses it a little bit when it comes to Laura's murder, but... 
doesn't really address it much for Teresa's. No, it's so, just... Yeah. It's, but it's that's a good question because yeah. why wouldn't local law enforcement just be, be able, able to I mean, and it's Gordon Cole is who it comes back to. Is right. He's the one who assigned it, Chet Desmond to it mm-hmm. and later he assigns Dale Cooper to Laura's case. He's the one who seems to know something's going on out there. Well, they call it a Blue Rose case, right? Yeah, right. And yeah. That's yeah. the only reference to the Blue Rose cases. Yeah, know, in the whole... In Firewalk with me, that's the only reference yeah. to it. And it's not and even it doesn't even, Yeah, it doesn't yeah, show not the series. Series. Mm. So it's, it's a... And the only one who kind of knows what's going on is... is uh, Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. So, and good luck getting anything out of him. He just yells the whole... Every time he's on screen, so... Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah okay. So anything else you want to add before we move on to the... Anything else really strike you, or...? It's, this is before my time, I assume, the time period, but I'm not sure the whole trend of doing cocaine before going to bed. That, that threw me off again. Yeah. I, yeah, no, no answer for that no. one. That's no just baffling to me. Yeah, don't, don't want to know. So, uh, so could you watch that movie and not like think, oh, I need to watch the show so I know what goes on? Like If, if there was no show and you just saw the movie... Would you go, oh, that's a good, or that's a movie. <laughs> Not like, oh, but that's it's a wholly contained experience. of a story that I don't have the rest of that's out there somewhere. That's a good question. I think it would have been even, you would have almost let it in more, kind of, because now I'm on it, oh, is, were they in the show? Like, what, yeah, yeah, what does yeah, that mean? But I think that would have, it almost would have been, you could have let the kind of feel of it just exist even more, right. rather than having... That can, like wondering about connections, so right. Um, yeah, I think so, but maybe because the show exists, I would maybe say no, mm. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, knowing that the show exists, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. How about you, Simon? Hard to say. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to think if after that final scene, if that really resolved enough without mm. more questions being raised that mm. I kind of felt there would be a follow-up of some sort. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, the first, whatever, 45 minutes or whatever of the FBI story does not get resolved in any meaningful no. way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at the movie as a whole, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, at least, I don't know. Having watched it so many times now, I, I can't imagine watching a movie where a third of it just really could not have happened and it didn't change like you were saying Tasha you could have just yeah. gotten rid of that whole section like that whole fine. the old woman who comes in the trailer mm-hmm. and standing there like what happened what was that about mm-hmm. we'll get into it there's theories yeah there's, well, there's theories, theories. <laughs> that's the thing right like there's theories but like you were saying Aaron like is it a standalone movie like I would definitely say no way yeah. because there's just too much it's like David Lynch had all these things in his mind and just decided to cram them all into one yeah Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. And then the audience is sitting there going, what? (laughs) And I know, too, that we had this moment where we felt sorry for this biker guy. (laughs) (laughs) Really, in this town. James. It seemed like, well, basically, the, the, the girl was... Kind of being a dick to James the <laughs> yeah. whole time, and poor James. First, she turned him away on the motorbike. <laughs> then he came and met her late at night, and they went out, and then she started screaming at him. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He seemed like well, for everyone in the show, he was this you know leather-clad biker guy who seemed like kind of a wimp, and just got shit on the whole movie. <laughs> you felt bad for him. As soon as we said this, everyone else just kind of looked at us like, "Don't feel sorry for James." <laughs> so totally lost there. Yeah, poor James. Totally feel sorry for James. Aaron no. loves James so much. Favorite character. I have to say. So James in the film is so much better than James in the show. Yes, yeah. James in the movie. I love better. James in the movie. Yeah. I so you can totally feel sorry for James. That's totally fine. <laughs> but that's that's really interesting. Yeah. When I mean, you look at it, he's like the one like nice guy just trying to help Laurie. He doesn't like really exploit her in any way, whereas everybody else, I mean, Bobby maybe doesn't as well. But like, yeah, everyone else is just using her in some way. But James is just trying to be a decent guy. And the, he loves her. Right? Yeah. But he's such a bitch. God. Yeah. In the show. <laughs> in the show. You're see, this is this is why we have. No, in the movie, he, he's supposed to be a, a James Dean like badass, and then he's like, "When can I see you again?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Suck it up, James. Anyways, we'll get back there. Let's start with the movie. All right. Lindsay, kick us off. How does the movie start? <laughs> well, the movie starts with this long pull away from a blue fuzzy screen. As you you kind of pull back, you realize it's a TV screen, and then. Uh, something comes down and breaks the, the TV, completely like an smashes an axe yeah. or a, a pipe or something, baseball bat. Yeah. And I don't know, a lot of people have interpreted that as 
this is not the TV show. Yeah. This is not TV anymore. This yeah. is we're we're breaking this it's completely film. down. <laughs> so I don't know if there's another interpretation for it. It also seems like it it takes place in the moment when Teresa is murdered. I'm yeah. thinking that's what we're supposed to assume well, because I, we hear that scream. Exactly. And then the very next shot is a body wrapped in plastic rolling down a floating down a river and it, it says, says Teresa Banks Teresa under it. Banks. So, so it uh, starts serves two purposes there. So during the credits, um, also I noticed that music is a lot different than yes. the Twin Peaks. Very yeah, different. Which also is another Yes. The I music think they're really is... trying to say this is not yeah, anything like Twin Peaks because much it's not as happy. Yeah, right. Sounding. It's much darker. Yeah. Well, and it, it I think I mean it uses a lot more saxophones. Yeah. In general, and that kind it's of still... jazzy guitar that yeah. we don't hear a lot in the yeah. original soundtrack. But it also I don't know if you guys maybe Nathan you're too young to remember this, but um, do you guys remember the Red Shoe Diaries? Oh yeah. <laughs> Simon, you're no. looking baffled. Yeah, Maybe no. you're too young for this, yeah, too. I haven't heard of that. Uh, it was a show that was on Late Night Fridays, I think. Yeah, like... Oh, Showcase, yeah. Yeah. Showcase or Bravo or something. Bravo or David something. Duchovny yeah. was in it. Yeah. And it was like softcore porn, basically. Yeah. 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 And it was like, when, whenever yeah. we have sleepovers... Did <laughs> <laughs> you watch this, Aiden? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> but anyway, when I hear this music, that immediately flashes into my mind. It's like, this is... Like early '90s softcore music. <laughs> music. I, I don't know. See, I thought it was like I thought it was a nice shift from the TV series because sure. the TV series is very jazzy, but it's yeah, it's yeah. happy jazz. And here it's like it's slow, it's mm-hmm. it's much it's, darker, and it, the music almost feels like you're Laura Palmer on a drug trip. Yeah, you know, like yeah. It's very dark yeah. and like it's just kind of drawn out. Everything seems longer and more yeah. like intuitive. I guess the music it's like more mm-hmm. thought invoking or thought provoking. Yeah, right, right, right. That's just what I feel about. Yeah. It is great music. Though. It is. And, uh, I made a bunch of notes about the. There's a lot of like music cues and sound cues that they used. Um, yeah, all over it. Yeah, talk about. Yeah, I, I noticed like any David Lynch film, there's so many like sound cues and sound editing that he mm-hmm. does so much like certain things that'll be so loud just to make you, you yeah. know, wonder what the sound is. Then it'll cut to a different scene. And it's like that's their transition to yeah. sound. You know? but, yeah. Oh yeah. There's tons of that. So. Uh, so yeah, you get Theresa Banks' body flown down, and then right away it's Gordon Cole yep. in his office um, yelling. Shouting into his dictaphone. Yeah, because that's what he does. Uh, it's never explained in the movie, so for you guys, he's deaf, basically, and those are big hearing aids that he's got. Yeah. So that's why <laughs> I made a note of that. So I, after about 10 minutes, I said I had to start taking notes because I was confused, and one of my notes was, why does the guy walk around wearing... Like headphones, yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. I thought it was for the helicopters. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. nice. Like but he's deaf in that he turns that up. Yeah, those are yeah, like his old he's school. Got his, like, and then he's got like the thing in his pocket that's the where the. It's not an iPod. No, it's, it's his <laughs> iPod transceiver. Yeah, speaker, know, whatever it is. Um, so he's yelling into his phone. He wants to get Chester Desmond in Fargo, North Dakota, and he yells this at his secretary, and his secretary leaves. Yeah. And then we get cut to Chester Desmond, uh, which is in the best prostitution sting of all time. <laughs> it is, it is prostitutes, right? I, I yeah, so. they were dressed so. yeah. very typically prostitutes. Or, or like a child <laughs> smuggling ring. Well, I don't know, because the there's, there's the, there's the yeah, school, school bus, bus. and it's filled oh. with, the, with the children. The kids are and then there's, crying. Yeah. And then there's all these FBI agents arresting what look well, like Well, they look prostitutes. like prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. But they're they street like kids, though. They also the girls look young. The girl? Yeah, they looked young. I don't know. Maybe. They it didn't look young, as young as the kids on the bus. Yeah, the kids looked like they were elementary and maybe high school. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. I want to know that story. Yeah. What happened there? <laughs> but it looks like three. they were busting the driver. Twin Peaks season three. That's <laughs> All about the bus. Prequel to the prequel. You know what? I wouldn't put it past David Lynch at this point. But just for, because uh, you guys haven't seen many David Lynch, this is like a Hallmark Lynchian moment. Because yeah. it's like this nice rural pastoral scene with like these happy kids, or they should be happy, but then there's like, there's prostitution staying underneath. So it's yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of the superficial world of, of David Lynch being all uh, happy-go-lucky America, and then the dark side is just yeah. under the surface getting Suburban is not arrested. what it seems. Yeah. 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 Um, so we so get, yeah. uh, Chet answers the call from Gordon and says, flying out to Deer Meadow because mm-hmm. Teresa Banks has been murdered. I want you to investigate it. So Chet's been handpicked by Gordon to head up this case. And he says, I'll meet you at the private airport in Portland. And then he arrives. 
basically right away. So it's a very quick series of... Yeah, it sets everything in motion really quick. Yeah. Uh, he arrives, and they all wear in the same FBI trench coat, I guess, yeah. it's standard issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who's there? It's uh, Gordon Cole with Sam, who is... Sam Stanley. Kiefer, Sam Stanley, who's played by Kiefer Sutherland. Um, and he introduces Chet and Sam, uh, and then Lil walks out. Is that her name? Lil. Lil, Lil yes. the dancer, Lil who the is dancer. Uh, Chet's surprise. What did we think of Lil? I Lil. love Lil. I love Lil. She's Who a great character. Who said the surprise, though? I'm, I'm going to guess Gordon Cole, because yeah. she's wearing the blue rose. Yeah. It's a blue rose case. I think it's his I think little, he just like, found a local interpretive dancer and was like, here's what I want you to do. And <laughs> yeah. he just said it How up. bizarre. Because and, why yeah. wouldn't you just tell him all that? How bizarre indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why wouldn't he just tell him? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, there, there, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There's there's different ways of looking at it. You could say that it was too dangerous. Like if someone was listening, they could get information that's too important okay. to be stolen over the phone. It could also be uh, that this is a test. He needs to code all of his everything his in order to yeah. see if his agents are up to the task of actually doing this job. How does Chester know? What all these things mean, you know? Well, they, he's passed the test, maybe, or or he's just that good. He's just that Strange, good, right? It could be. Right? Obviously, he knows about the like blue rose case. Yeah. He mentioned it. He's the only one who mentions it, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's just. It's well, so I think crazy. I think it's meant to be. You're supposed to kind of interpret that Chet and Gordon have a history because he knows to yell at Gordon, yeah. which you know not everybody yeah, does. Yeah, most so. characters talk first, right? Later. And uh, so I, I think they have a bit of a history. So he knows a little bit about. Has a working relationship with Gordon anyway. But but it is very odd. Like let's not dance around it. Like it's really weird that Lil's just like starts dancing and, and like makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the clues that that Lil gives? She got her hand in her pocket because yeah. they're hiding something. Mm-hmm. She's making a sour face. Closing her fist. Closing her fist because there might be trouble. Is that it? Yep. I don't remember all That's of them. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. The dress. Yeah. The dress was. Yeah. Exactly. Taken in for drugs. And, and Chester kind of lays this all out for Sam. And she's walking, walking, walking in place. Walking in place. Means a lot, lot of, of leg, leg work. work. Lots of leg work. Oh, and and yeah. that she's his mother's sister's girl because the, the uncle, uncle is in prison. Yes. Probably for drugs. I don't know how they got that, but anyway. Also, well, it also never comes back. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> nothing to do with the show. Or yeah, and he did the the over the. Yeah. So, I think it means he's in jail. That's the oh, that, wow. that part. Yes. Perfect sense. Uh, you could work the blue rose cases, Lindsay. Well done. <laughs> yeah. So. What else? Where did they go from there? So they yeah they drive into town, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they go where right to, to the first? sheriff's station. The sheriff's station, which is a great little scene, which yes. is like the opposite of Twin Peaks. It yes. is yes. right. So Simon and Olivia, you guys haven't seen Twin Peaks, but it's a very different reaction that the the or uh, reception, I guess, that the FBI gets in Twin Peaks versus what we get here. Which you do see in the first episode of Twin Peaks, which is kind of like an introduction, as if you know, like Twin Peaks. Cooper arrives, and then this movie, Deer Meadows, Chester arrives, and yep. it's completely different. Yeah, it's yeah. the exact opposite. The cops hate them. Uh, the cop station shuts down at five o'clock. There's yeah. a lot of like yeah. little things that the are coffee's different. bad. Even, coffee's even like bad. the the lighting is yeah. all different. Like yeah. it's very dark. It's like yes. the curtains are closed. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. There's no glass anywhere. It's all exactly, just like yeah. walls and yeah. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. where's the the sheriff's station at Watts. No one's friendly. No one's friendly. Everyone's, yeah, just a jerk. The receptionist is like, well, yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's yeah, so nothing. weird. Yeah. Well, they're just being mean, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's they're kind of jerks. Um, but anyway, they want to see the body of, of Teresa Banks. and. Well, first they want to meet the sheriff. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. And so Chet Desmond does the nose grab. I don't know. So weird. Does. It's like a crowdy move. I don't know. Don't to know. <laughs> uh, Deputy Cliff. Yes. yes. Is his name. Yes. Uh, puts him down. Go see the sheriff. Sheriff is not very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, sheriff does give him the file on Teresa Banks. There's obviously not much there. The, no. the box sounds really hollow. And then, uh, yeah, they Sam and Chet go out to uh, investigate the body. And what do they find? First one gets it. A piece of pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> piece of pie. <laughs> <laughs> they see it underneath her fingernail. They do? Yes. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they don't talk about it again. Nope, mm-hmm. never again. And no. it's, like, that's from this, the TV series. Yeah. Yeah, so this was the calling card for this serial killer was that it was one of the first things that Agent Cooper found under Laura's fingernail was another letter. What letter was it? Was it? I think she had an R R. on her fingernail. Teresa had a T. Robert's son son of Robert. Mm -hmm. Bob. Um, 
They also <laughs> discovered that uh, S- Sam realizes that she was wearing a ring on her left ring finger that, or yeah, her left ring finger that is missing. missing. It's yeah. not included in, in the. The ring is missing, not her finger. Yeah, the ring is missing. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> it's a pretty grisly uh, examination, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like it's very, mm-hmm. like it's shot weird. Her yeah. her eyes are open. Her mouth is the, open. In close-ups, like yeah. intense close-ups. Yeah. And when he like lifts her head, you hear like the yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. And when he like, moves, moves her arm, arm. Yeah. and yeah. it's all stiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just and then pulling up that fingernail. Fingernail. Yeah, yeah, that was so bad. It's very... And, it's and you literally bad. zoom in on it. Like, it's like... Yeah. It's there. That's so all, you see. all you see. Yeah. Is you're looking at it under that microscope. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. You can't turn away from it. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Um, and, it, and it is very... Uh, again, this is the opposite of Twin Peaks. When you find Laura's body, it's very... Everyone's talking about how much everyone loved her. And yeah. this is the exact opposite. Nobody claimed her body. Nobody to, uh, came, came to see her or anything yeah. like that. And, and it's literally inversion. And in Twin Peaks, like, there's more than just the cops looking at yes. the body, right? And right. The, the father comes the to father was there, the, the doctor was there. Yes. Everybody Everybody's, was there. Yeah. It was more of, like, a... And it was in a hospital. It wasn't in, like, some shack behind yeah. the police department, right. yeah. you know? Like, yeah. yeah, it's very, like, like, so weird. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just... It's such a podunk town. They just... So they finish up their their investigation of the body and it's 3.30 in the morning and what Jed do do? doesn't want to sleep. Nope. They're going to go to Hap's Diner which is where Teresa Banks worked. Yes. We so missed a scene, didn't diner. we? No. You're thinking of the missing pieces. The missing pieces? So this starts off, they're talking to a guy named Jack in that little closet room in the back and there's like a light flickering and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene originally had much more. There's like two or three minutes of him, them talking to Jack trying to find out information. Okay. Sounds like he owns the place maybe. Um, and there's a lot of weird stuff in that little scene. talking about the missing people. No, no, I'm just saying that's that's what we don't oh. see here. Yeah. You get five seconds of Jack. They tell him to go talk to Irene. So that's who Sorry. you get most of the information from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FBI goes to talk to her. She what, Well, she basically says... The most interesting thing for me is that she thinks that uh, Teresa's death was a fr- what you call a freak accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I don't get how murder <laughs> is a freak accident. Like, that's very kind of telling. I think of like... Yeah, and what about when she says she can't use her... She couldn't use her arm right. before she died? Yeah. yeah. What is that about? Well, well Laura, Laura has also yeah. later on. In her dream, yeah. she, she rolls over her and, and then that's when she finds the ring. Yeah. Right. So. There's also a reference to that in the series. Towards the end, when things are reaching ahead in the series, when the hands start to shake. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But Irene thinks that that's because of the drug... The drug use. And mm-hmm. Sam says, no, it's probably nerve, nerve damage, nerve. but I'd have to take the body back to Portland. Um, and sorry, so this is, there's a few musical cues here, though. Uh, okay. This is the first time I noticed that there was what I call the Black Lodge sounds, which is like yeah. this warping, mm-hmm. dis- dissonant kind of tremble mm-hmm. um, that's used throughout. This is the first time I noticed it was when they were um, in Haps talking to Irene and that and the, the old man who, mm-hmm. was, who has a French woman with him mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. Uh that was the first time I noticed that, but it comes back again and again. It seems to be tied back to like spiritual, the supernatural Lodge, stuff yeah. happening. So yeah, because right when they walk in, the lights are, are flickering, flickering mm-hmm. a yes. lot, which is always yes, a sign, a sign of something's going on. Electricity, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Um. Oh, you want to talk about the coffee? I just oh, it's, a, it's one of the best. Scenes. It's yeah. so funny. Like, yeah. it's so sad. Yeah. it is a little sad. <laughs> I mean, I just, but why does he do that? It's so plotting. You why can does see he it. do that? He just why, like, why does he make him do that? Like, that's, he is he teasing him? him? Yeah, yeah him I up. think so. I think it was kind of a. I think Chet Desmond's kind of a dick, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get enough of him to really but tell. But there's no but... character development for us to know that. Yeah, exactly. That's so all you get. Yeah. That's all you get. It's disappointing. Yeah. That's what I found the hardest about the first part. It was. It seemed so like. The interactions between the characters was so weird, and like there was no character development, and just like, I mean, you don't tip your coffee when you look at your wall. Like it was just so, yeah, like sort of weird to watch. Yeah, and like, yeah, that's right. I found that really kind of I don't yeah. know what I think yeah. about it. But. Yeah, a little disorienting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we should say that Chad Desmond is played by Chris Isaac, and I thought Chris Isaac and Kiefer Sutherland did a really good job playing yeah. their characters for what for what's on what the they page, had, like yeah. what they what they're yeah. de- dealing with. I thought they established that fairly well they did a, a and, and they have some funny moments like like yeah when he the coffee, the coffee is funny and, yeah. and 
I love it, especially Kiefer's other thing. like, no, it's it's early or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, he's really like it's really yeah. early. <laughs> <laughs> it's really early. It's not late. Yeah. It's just funny, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, again, I think they those scenes still have some, some merit, even if, yeah, they don't have a lot of character development or anything to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Chris Isaac, so cool. That's <laughs> 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 what I took away from, mm-hmm. from that part. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a dick. Yeah. But pretty He's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And yeah, it ends with Irene saying they don't have any specials. Yeah. So just yeah. just, just to yeah. really <laughs> underscore that this is not the double R diner. Yes. And the other thing that's absolutely is disgusting is Irene is smoking the entire time yes, and like the butt is going to fall off a cigarette. <laughs> and, like that's totally not double R, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Norma's very clean, keeps a clean house. And yeah. This is yeah. not at all like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. So the very next scene after they leave. Perhaps, I guess they think it's still, they feel it's pretty late. They walk up to the Fat Trout trailer park, trailer park manager's office and bang on his door without realizing that he has a big sign written on the door, do not disturb before 9 a.m. Ever. Ever. So, of course, they're alarmed when Carl Rod shows up at the door and they're expecting trouble and the poor guy just... Poor Carl yeah, just, just wants to get on with his life. And just this... more shit for him to do. <laughs> so he, he takes them to Teresa's trailer, yes. or what he claims is Teresa's trailer. Mm, we'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> and shows off uh, her place. There's pictures of her with the ring on. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, they don't really find much there of notes. They don't really say anything. No, they just establish that the ring belonged to yeah. and they get a, And they get a, an idea of what of it looks it. like, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you get this weird stuff starts happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> when does it start? Oh, they get so the when, coffee. Yeah, so Carl goes to make a cup of Good Morning America, which is his <laughs> coffee with the sting of the 48-hour blend. Yeah. Uh, and they say, well, uh, Sam says to Chet that we need a good wake-me-up. And then that's when we get uh, the first kind of first-person point-of-view shot of outside the, the trailer with this this slow zoom up to the door and then the old lady, the the dirty kind of yeah. holding an ice bag, over one an ice pack over her eye. Yeah. And she kind of just, just shows up in the doorway. And But the reaction is the really weird thing mm-hmm. because Chet basically asks her, uh, did you know Teresa Banks? She doesn't say it. Well, actually, she starts she, to she, shake. She starts to she? shake like she's terrified. Yeah. Um, and then she just backs away. And that's it. They just let that go. They just let her walk away. They don't do anything about it. And but uh, Carl Rod, his reaction or his response is kind of just out of nowhere. He says, "I don't want to go anywhere. I've already I, been placed. I've already been placed. I just I want to stay where I am." Yeah. Um, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. Any but... theories? <laughs> Any ideas? <laughs> Lynch being Lynch. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but it is weird that they would have that that moment and not follow up on it. Yeah, it, it like that feels really kind of surreal. Like mm-hmm. it, it starts to feel really odd at that point. There's that weird music. It shows yeah. the telephone pole yeah. with number six. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. Black Lodge stuff going on. I don't know what's going well, it's on. Well, it's not any music. It's that, that, it's that weird wavering. electricity yeah. sound yeah. or whatever, right? Um, can we talk about the book at all? The Secret History of Trin Peaks? Sure, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. All, all so uh, I didn't realize this the first time I watched it because mm-hmm. I hadn't read the book. But yeah. So when he says, I've already been places. Yeah. That's got to imply because he disappeared when he was yeah. young, right? Yes, yes. right. Yes. I'm thinking that it's has to be... implied that yeah. he went somewhere. somewhere else. Yeah, him and... Uh, Margaret. The log lady, yes. And, and something about that situation brings it back. <laughs> and we've just <laughs> lost the <laughs> last time completely. A mention of the log lady. <laughs> Who did appear, by the way. In yeah, the she, was there. she was there. She was there. about five seconds. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah right. I think I think you're probably I think that's what at least but maybe again, not at it, the time, but now that but the secret yeah, history now, is, is out, I uh, think that's which is be. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Either retconning or he had that planned all I don't know, right, yeah. right, twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very yeah, <laughs> it, it's possible. Who knows? But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a it's sort of the really weird. Um, then they go back to collect the body at right. the sheriff station, um, and. Uh, so uh, Sam Stanley is going to take the body back to Portland to do those t- more tests on the body, and Chet is staying behind. Yeah. And this is where Sam says, "You're going back to the trailer park for the Blue Rose." Yeah. Kind of. Well, the Blue Rose is, to me, it's just a stand-in for the the unsolved mystery, the mystery that you're never supposed to actually yeah. get to, right? Right. It's, it's the it's the one thing that I can't share that with you because he doesn't know himself, perhaps, what right. the Blue Rose is supposed to be, right? So. 
That, that's what he's going back for, is to find the ring, which is kind of the blue rose of this case. It's the right. one missing thing that they need to, yeah. to find. Um, and he does find it, which is kind of odd. He goes back to the trailer park. Well, okay. He goes back to the trailer park, and he asks to see Deputy Cliff's trailer. Mm-hmm. And he's, he goes to a different trailer. He ends up at a different trailer that is not the one that he was originally shown. No. And it's at this trailer... That's lit from the inside and it's kind of spooky. He uh, finds a mound of dirt under the trailer, the trailer and the ring, the owl cave ring that Teresa Banks was wearing in the photo is sitting on top of this mound of dirt. And when he bends down to reach for it, the screen kind of cuts to black. And we're left to kind of wonder what happens with that. Well, he disappears. <laughs> that's that's, really that's one interpretation, I guess, yeah. right? He disappears. Anybody yeah. like... Well, within the context of the movie, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what because that's what they say, right? Okay, Philadelphia. but yeah, within the larger context, I don't know who knows what happened. Yeah, it's just like I said, it took a turn for the weird after that, mm. <laughs> after the first trailer park scene. So who knows what was going on here? But that that trailer is really interesting. Um, so here's here's the theory. First theory of the day. That's that was actually Teresa Banks's trailer, and. Uh, the one that they were showed to the cops or the FBI agents when they originally came was actually uh, that old lady who walked in. That's why she walked in. She's like, this is my fucking trailer. What are you doing here? And then, but the cops had actually come overnight, scared them away and said, if anybody comes looking for Teresa Banks stuff, this is the trailer. show them this oh. trailer. Uh, and they set up some pictures and stuff like that. That would make sense. And that's why there's no ring. That's why it's yeah. just the one picture of hers. It doesn't ever seem, and there's no evidence. Whereas later in the thing, you saw how Leland killed her in her and trailer. There's no blood or anything like that. There's there's no broken TV or anything. Yeah. So there's potential that maybe this has all been, like the FBI didn't actually get to it. And so the trailer that Chet goes to in this last scene of him is actually her real trailer. And that's why there's the Mount Dirt, which is similar to in the series, uh, Laura, they when they the, find Laura's body, yeah. or the, the place where she was killed, yeah. there's a Mount of Dirt with the, the, necklace. the necklace on yeah. it. So... So there's that potential layer. Mm-hmm. Total fan theory. No idea if that's uh, actually real, but it's not our theory. We should say it's something else. Oh yeah, else we didn't come up with any has of this. Come up with this, but yeah. it's it's seems plausible when you watch it that maybe that is it. It kind of explains the old lady. Kind of explains why she's holding a, an ice bag. Maybe she was beat up. up, beat by the cops. Yeah, yeah. So. Carl Rod also has a. a bandage over his eye so it's possible that they were roughed up and that that could be why he reacts the way he does when she shows up and and carl says twice both to cooper and to chet saying i never touched a goddamn thing right you know he's pleading a little bit too much he's you know he's trying to cover his own ass uh because the cops are threatening him or whatever right so that's that's one potential reading of Mm -hmm. it um but yeah it's it's weird yeah Things get even weirder in the next scene when we jump to Philadelphia and we get our first introduction in the film to Special Agent Dale Cooper. And his music even plays when he walks on the screen. So he's the hero of the Twin Peaks actual series. Yes. So he's okay. the FBI agent who gets signed to Laura's case, comes in and, and basically solves the whole thing mm-hmm. with the help of local law enforcement. Yes. yes. Um, but here he is, he's in Philadelphia and yeah. how does he start? I don't even remember how it goes. When he Is comes he right just... up to the desk and he tells Gordon that... Yeah. It's 10.10 a.m. on February 16th. I was worried about today because of the dream I told you about. Here's yes. something that I didn't understand about that is because throughout all of Twin Peaks, he is yelling at Gordon. Right. But this scene, he's quiet. Yes. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. And Gordon I'm, seems like he can hear him. Exactly, well, he, yeah. When he, he says he it's 10.10 a.m., he, he yes. checks his, his watch, watch. Yeah. so he can hear him. Yeah, so... Weird. Do you we'll get to that. that. <laughs> filming or is that? It could I be. Doubt. Yeah, it's too too Lynch and like for Lynch to even be the, in the scene, I think it's too too much for him to just fuck up that one part. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, there's something going on. But Gordon Cole is an interesting character in True. the series. Like, there's a lot we can talk about with him. He he can, he, he can hear Shelley. Yeah, exactly. He can hear some people. He can't hear others. Is he maybe hearing everything and he's just pretending that he can't mm, hear? No. We don't know. So there's there's a lot that we could. There's, the theories have been made just mm-hmm. around Gordon Cole and what the Blue Rose cases are all about. Um, but we don't get to hear about Cooper's dream in this scene. No. Now, I was wondering about this because, and Simon and Olivia, you guys can maybe clue in, but when 
Cooper goes out into the hallway and he has that moment where he's Olivia. You said this was one of your favorite scenes. Yeah. Where he's looking at him, he's looking at the security camera, and then he goes to the security room and he is watching the hall, and then he comes back out, and eventually he sees that he sees himself on the monitor, but he's in the room, and that's when we get Philip Jeffries walking up the hallway, um, who's just come in through the elevator at the end of the hall. Um, is that his dream? Could he be acting out his dream? Or is this happening immediately after he tells Gordon that... Oh. Like, I, I never really figured out what was going on there. That's not... That's That could be. That's I, not how I interpreted it. The, the way I always interpreted it was that he... Like, his dream is about those events, but mm-hmm. that's him actually, like, checking to see if it's happening. Like, if the dream was maybe okay. uh, uh, oh. like foreshadowing so like, to his actual yeah. life. It's, like, yeah. chronological, so he yeah, tells... So he's, and then he goes out. And then he goes and sees, and he, he's... That's why he keeps checking, okay. like, because he was... He probably could see himself on the screen in his dream. Okay. And then he keeps going back, and then sure enough, he, he sees, sees it. But well, once again, it might not be real what we're seeing in that right, scene, right? right. So, yeah. The whole theme thing kind of seems dreamlike, that whole scene. Yeah, scenario, that whole right? sequence so, is super right. weird. And then, so, yeah, who walks off the elevator is... David uh, Bowie! David Bowie! <laughs> uh, Ziggy Stardust. Yes. As Philip Jeffries, another FBI agent. Right. Uh, <laughs> he walks in, and he starts yelling at people, and then we, that's kind of all we get. Really? Well, we, we find out just through the conversation that he's been missing for yeah. two years. Yeah. And he doesn't, Cooper doesn't seem to know who he is, but Jeffries points at him and says, Do you know who this is? And then starts talking about. Well, now, I'm not going to talk about Judy. In fact, we're not going to talk about Judy at all. We're going to keep her out of it. Gordon, I know. Uh, he starts talking about this meeting that he went to above a convenience store. And but then it's, we flash to that. But it's kind of like. There's a lot of intercutting even before yeah. he gets to yeah. there. There's there's static, and you get the first images of the the little kid with the mask on who's yeah. jumping around, a bunch of weirdness going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it seems like he's describing what's happening in the convenience store, which yes. is what is then shown, yeah. um, which is the little man for the first time you see him with at the table, and he's talking about a formica table. Uh, what else Bob happens there? Bob's there. in there. Bob's there. Yeah. Who uh, else is there? Uh, the old lady. Yeah. The old lady, the old lady with her grandson, her grandson. Yeah, which isn't uh, the same jumping kid, I don't think. It's not the same. It's this. It's supposed to be the same kid, but they had to change. No, no, no. I'm talking the about the, the the kid that's jumping in the red suit. That's, that's not, not the kid. The kid. That's no, not, that's a yeah, different. That's, a that's different, the jumping yeah, man. Kid. Okay. Yeah, he's also wearing a mask that's yes. very similar to the little. But boys. then the other yeah. boy, the little boy, is jumping in the other scene. So that's why it's a little. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. want to clear that up. Yeah, clarify a lot um, some of the other characters, I guess there's, I mean, they have names or fan names, I don't know, or they're credited, I guess. Yeah, probably. The electrician. Happy Gilmore's grandma. Yeah, you yeah. said that. <laughs> Sorry. Shafflon. Shafflon, You yeah. said that, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, there's, there's, two there's the lumberjack, yeah, who slaps his knee upside yeah. down or something. I don't know. Jürgen Prock now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who else? Uh, that's most of it. And so what else do we get? We get someone saying electricity as we zoom out of their mouth. Uh, there's the monkey. There's the there's monkey, monkey, the monkey. Under the mask. Yeah. behind the mask. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> what other weird shit did he pull out of his ass for that scene? <laughs> well, we get... I think the most important part is that you've got Bob sitting at the table across from the little man from another place. Yeah. And they're talking about... The table? With this ring, Ivy Wed is, the, is, I think, the important part. Yeah. And, and we've already seen a ring... And what, it's it's green. It looks that? like yes, perhaps green. it could be. And there's a From there's the a hole on the table. If, if fans have zoomed in and looked at it very closely, and there is a hole on the table that matches a circular, like it would be in the ring. So, so is this what made the ring? Yes. Did they take the ring out of the Formica table? And is that why Formica is important? Who knows? We don't know. But anyways, that's I think Formica is important because <laughs> I it's assume just a, so. Yeah. Just but because it was, it's green and the ring was green. Yeah. 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 Green is its color. <laughs> that, yeah. that was. It could be. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I like that. Tasha's not buying any Tasha's of this. Tasha's just like, what? No. What are you what talking a about? Cheap ring. What? <laughs> 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 a ring made up for Micah. <laughs> Simon, I see you going through your notes. Did you have anything? Well, this that? is where I started taking notes because it got really crazy. And this is where uh, my notes on the weird dream sequence with a long-nosed demon clown mm-hmm. guy was unexpected. So <laughs> that was a, one of the next kind of surreal moments for yeah. me mm-hmm. and where it really kind of started having these surreal dream... is how I interpret it in flashbacks. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I guess from me, from the guy, FBI agent, originally talking about his weird dream, yeah. 
I immediately kind of connected with that. Like, is he uh, is he thinking back on his dream? Right. Did he think of that as when he went to work? Uh, yeah. That, that would be interesting, too. That would be. Yeah, because Agent huh. Cooper does have other dreams about I just that assumed place. that was his dream. Yeah? The, it, That's how I watched wow. it. Wow. So, so that the, the dream, everything above the convenience yeah. store scene was Cooper's dream? Yes. Oh. That's how I watched it the first time I watched wow. it. Wow. I never thought, I never thought of that. That's okay. That's cool. That's good. That's interesting. Oh, this is why we have yeah. you here. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not have gone there. But because then, it's so surreal. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it feels like a dream. Like it well, it's like, like his other dream, dream in the series, It's like right? his other dreams in the series. Right. It is kind of filmed even the same. Like, the way it the is. camera pans only, like, yeah. sideways and, and never goes up and down. Strobe well, the one scene. It goes from above, but, it like, when it shows the guy sitting at the table, it just, like, yeah, across, across just like the red room, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Okay. Cool. Uh, so that happens, <laughs> and then uh, it, 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 there is one line back. that Philip Jeffrey says before he disappears yes. again. He says that we live inside a dream. Kind of a key statement, I would potentially, say. Potentially, potentially, you could interpret it that way. But then Philip Jeffries does disappear again, or rather, Albert, who is also in the room, picks up the phone to the front desk and says he was never actually here, which is confusing because oh, Cooper so goes back to the room with Gordon and sees that Jeffries actually was there because we have video footage of him. So, so, reality uh, is being yeah, played reality, with. <laughs> yes, yes. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. What's real? Um, but now they also have found out that Chet Desmond is missing. Yes, that's when they find out. So, Cooper, in the next scene, goes to investigate not Teresa Banks' murder, but Chet Desmond's disappearance. And the only scene we get of him in Deer Meadow is at the Fat Trout Trailer Park when he goes to visit poor Carl Rod, who now has to do even more shit, leading <laughs> Cooper around, uh... And Cooper instinctively or intuitively goes back to... Where Desmond disappeared. Uh, yes. The missing trailer. Um, and Which, The trailer's gone. The it's, trailer's... Yes, you yeah, said the missing trailer, but the trailer that was there is no longer there. Yes. There's not even the amount of dirt or the ring or anything. Right. There's no sign of it's ever there. Cooper asks who had stayed there and... Uh, what's his name? Rod? Carl. Carl Rod. Uh, he says that <laughs> uh, it was a Chalifant. It was yes. an old woman and her grandson... Named the Chalfonts. Named the Chalfonts. And in fact, there was a Chalfonts before who rented the exact same spot uh, before them. Two Chalfonts. Two Chalfonts, he says. I have no idea why that's important. It feels like it should <laughs> be important because there's two of them. But the Chalfonts were also in Twin Peaks. But they were the Tremons. Well, there was a grandson. Tremons, that's right. They were Tremons, not Chalfonts. <laughs> yeah. So why change <laughs> the name? Yeah. Why change the name? Because it's a different universe, Tasha. It's stupid. It's stupid, Tasha says. Well, it is stupid. Tasha, who loves every movie, (laughs) thinks this movie is stupid. (laughs) No, just this part. Because it's so confusing. It is. It is so confusing. It's obviously a film about the or related to the TV series. Right. And people's names are the same. You know, Donna's different, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And so I changed somebody's last name. What's the point of that? Well, well we when we get to the dream thought, theory, yeah, yeah, maybe we can, we can elaborate. <laughs> yeah. I guess over the dream too, one of the things I know it was the trailer park dude said, as the FBI agent comes, he said, I had a bad dream. Yes. Yeah. So I guess this is where, in my head, I was wondering, is the entire FBI subplot, which kind of ends there, yeah. was that the trailer park guy's dream? Right. I don't know, because it kind of stopped after that. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's true. Good point. And, and how it ends yeah. is, yeah, Cooper goes to the thing, asks questions, and then he... Uh, asked to see well he sees Chet's uh, car and written on the windshield is let's rock in paint red paint lipstick it's not lipstick though because when they zoom in mm. and you see the close up from behind mm-hmm. the windshield there's no way that's lipstick like either it's like a blood smear or it's a paintbrush oh it could be it could be blood too that's because yeah, that it's too transparent too. to be lipstick ah okay, okay. I picked up on that so I thought it was lipstick at first <laughs> yeah, too but yeah. then I was like no Paint, maybe, blood, maybe. But it's red. Yes, and Let's Rock is a famous line from the TV series. Let's Rock. That's Mm -hmm. right. Uh, But I love that it's (laughs) films. Yes, initially backwards. Well, initially you see it forwards, but then you see it from inside the car. It's written backwards, which is how it's said in in the film. All of those red room scenes are filmed and recorded backwards. Yeah, whenever there were the subtitles and the little man was talking, those were actually recorded backwards. Yeah. And then... 
Yeah. So he would like dance. He would move yeah, backwards. Yeah. He would move backwards. Say things. Say backwards, things backwards. And, and then, then they, they play. They reverse it. Play it forward. Yeah. That's how they. I love that guy. Actually. That's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. But it does lend a very eerie kind of disjointed. Yeah, dreamlike weirdness. Yeah. It's a very similar. Yeah. How talented is that guy? To yeah. Back? Mm. Well, he taught all the other cast members how to do because they all have yeah. like they all have different levels of scenes. <laughs> that's what hooked me though. Like I don't know what it was about the creepiness or something. That's like that was the moment when I started. Like I don't know if I enjoyed it or not, but when I started like, like feeling uh, the movie was yeah. when he came on and was being really creepy. Like, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's just like cool. something you've never seen before. Like yeah. Yeah. any yeah. other movie that has that backwards kind of dialect. Yeah, you know? well. And with the weird sound and like every static and yeah. all mm. just sorts of craziness going on. Yeah, it's and it's And very even the, how this, when he does his mouth thing <laughs> and like how his hand's still moving it but he's right. just doing it with his mouth. Like that's just yeah. weird, you know? Yeah. Like, it is. And you think is. he did that backwards. Like, yeah. Like, that's, uh, <laughs> it's so it's, crazy. Yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, that's kind of the end of the... Well, no, the, the, the very last scene we get is with uh, Cooper dictating oh, yes. to Diane, which that. is Diane for Simon and Olivia, who have not seen the show. Diane is uh, either his assistant in Philadelphia, who he records his messages to, or it's the name of his tape recorder. Tape recorder. Nobody knows. You never see Diane. You never see Diane at... Any point. But she does seem to send him things, so I think it's a real person. Yeah, I think she's is. a real person. For sure. It's a I kind of hope it's I hope Lord does Sexitary. Mm. Anyway, so he records... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's getting late. Nathan's getting tired. <laughs> a little bit. Have some more coffee. Uh, Cooper records a message to Diane just saying that... I'm standing here at Wind River near the location where the body of Teresa Banks was found. Diane, this case gives me a strange feeling. Not only has Special Agent Chester Desmond disappeared without a trace, but this is one of Cole's Blue Rose cases. The clues that were found by Special Agent Desmond and Agent Stanley have led to dead ends. The letter that was extracted from beneath the fingernail of Teresa Banks gives me the feeling that the killer will strike again. But like the song goes, who knows where or when. And then cue... If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.